Hello everyone and welcome to Play Crush. It's Joe Murphy here. We have an absolutely cracking episode for you this week with the brilliant Hamid Anamashore. Hamid is a rising star and is sure to soon be a household name. He's worked on some astonishing productions, bringing his trademark comedic anarchy to shows like The Barbershop Chronicles, Amadeus and Thrupani Opera, all at the National Theatre, A Midsummer Night's Dream at The Bridge, Dear Elizabeth at The Gate, The Producers at The Royal Exchange, A Monster Calls at Bristol Old Vic and The Old Vic, Measure for Measure at The Young Vic, The Importance of Being Earnest, Bugsy Malone, Secret Theatre, Cinderella, Aladdin, Mogadishu and A Midsummer Night's Dream at The Lyric Hammersmith, Hate or La N at The Barbican, Kapow and Married to the Game at Theatre 503 and The Boy Fell Into a Book at Soho Theatre. On screen, he is known for working on TV shows like Black Mirror and films like the indie hit The Festival. Hamid is a very exciting young talent, and it was such a pleasure to spend some time talking to him and hearing how this all started for him. Hamid's play crush was A Midsummer Night's Dream by William Shakespeare. The play was written in 1595 or 1596 and is one of the most joyful, chaotic and enigmatic plays ever written, so it feels like a very natural fit for Hamid. The course of true love never did run smooth. A feuding fairy king and queen of the forest cross paths with four runaway lovers and a troop of actors trying to rehearse a play. As their dispute grows, the magical royal couple meddle with mortal lives, leading to love triangles, mistaken identities and transformations, with hilarious but dark consequences. This is one of Shakespeare's greatest romantic comedies, and probably one of the greatest romantic comedies of all time. So it was really brilliant to get to chat with such a great actor about such a great play. Thanks everyone for tuning in and continuing to support Sherman Theatre and The Old Vic. It means so much to us. So, without any further ado, here is Hamid and A Midsummer Night's Dream. Hello, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. How you doing? Yes, not too bad. Not too bad. I mean, how, how's it been for you? How have, you, how, how have the last few months shaped up? Uh, you know, it's been an adjustment. It's been an adjustment. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, um, no, no one really saw this coming, and or really, I guess, no one really anticipated how big this would be, and how you know it would just throw the whole world into some sort of. I don't know. It feels like the whole world is on this bouncy castle, but you can't really control the bounce. Do you know what I mean? You just you just hitting you're hitting the walls, you're hitting the ceiling. It's just like I don't know. It's one of them things. So you're just trying to adjust to the to this new sort of gravity, I guess, of what the world is now. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. It's been a massive adjustment, like because you know I'm quite I like to do lots of stuff, and then to be told that you can't do lots of stuff is kind of do you know what I mean? It's kind of yeah. weird, but it's needed. You know, it's needed. It has to happen. So. Yeah, and how have you found it now that it's sort of starting to ease a bit? Have you managed to go for a few socially distanced walks or hangouts with people? Uh, yeah, like I've like um, I've seen some friends in in parks. Like I'm 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 I've never been quite an like anxious person, but I think during this whole process, I've become very anxious as to where I go and who I hang out with, and do you know all those things. Especially now, like the lockdown is starting to ease, or has eased a lot more since you know a couple of weeks ago. Um, I find myself staying inside a lot more than than before um, <laughs> because I was I would go to like the shops and do all the you know food shopping and stuff like that and I didn't really have a problem with that but I guess now that there are more people outside I'm still I'm a bit anxious so um, right 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 yes 
I guess I'm just like, I'm more, oh, maybe I'm just going to do an online shop or, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I'm a bit more anxious than I was like a couple of weeks ago, I think. Yeah, that's interesting. Because you feel like everyone's going back out and because it's sort of opening up a bit. Yeah, I mean, it was inevitable. Do you know what I mean? Like, we can't, we can't all stay at home forever. Do you know what I mean? There has to be a point where we have to try and find some sort of normality, even if it is, you know, this new normal or however they call it. So it was inevitable that people are going to start, you know, venturing out again. But I guess for me, um, because I don't live, I don't live on my own. I live with my family. So it's like, I just have to be more cautious as to what I do. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely, definitely, yeah. definitely, definitely. Yeah. yeah, it's been a very surreal time. Um, and it must be weird, I suppose, you know, for it to pause, you know, on your work. So I suppose, you know, a lot of your work has been theatre work, you know. Yeah. That yeah. live performance element seems to be, you know, one of your strongest points. And yeah. um, that's just not been possible over these yeah. last few months. It's been heartbreaking, man, if I'm going to be completely honest. Um, just like seeing how this whole community has just been forced to shut. I mean, loads of industries have been like, all the industries have been forced to shut down at some point, but just just like, but because theatres, I hold theatres so close to my heart and then just to see it all just shut down. And then for a while there, there was like, no, it looked like there was no support at all from like the big, the, the big guys upstairs. And it was just like, <laughs> it was just, it was, it was, it was tough, man. It was tough. It was tough. It was tough. But like, what theatre does, that, that that community feel. And everyone just came together and was just like, you know what, if they're not going to help us, then we're going to help us. We're going to try at least help ourselves. And it's yeah. been amazing just to see like the togetherness, like even more so, like we're not in the, we're not all in the auditorium together, but we are together in spirit. And I think that's what's been keeping theatre alive. And when you've got amazing theatres, you know, you know doing these like these streams of these archive performances of shows that they've done in the past and stuff it's it's really you know they don't have to do that you know but it's just just to keep that theater just to keep theater alive in some shape or form it's just it was needed man i needed those streams so um, (laughs) it's been it's (laughs) it's been it's been amazing it's been it's been heartbreaking but it's also been amazing to see people come together and be like this is our this is this is our this is our livelihoods you know and um, yeah. we can't just allow it to um, just to fall by the wayside. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mm. think like it's th- that resilience has been amazingly inspiring, hasn't it? I think across the whole country, really, in loads of different sectors uh, and with lots of different people, we've seen that, you know, like there's been people who's donating to the Sherman, um, you know, in, in a time of like incredible crisis and yeah, mm. writing to us and just saying like the value and that has like, I mean, I just find that very moving and the, you know, the way that, I think I've seen a lot of communities, you know, specifically obviously the theatre industries because we're part of it, but seen a lot of them come together. And when this crisis came, it, it, it in some ways has only proved um, how great people are. You know? yeah. And like, it didn't turn us into like evil, selfish um, people. It turned us into loving, caring people who reached out. And I found that kind of amazing, despite obviously the horror that surrounds it. Yeah, absolutely. It's been amazing, man. The, the I guess the support from everybody like in the community, even not not even like even people that are not even in the community, just like really supporting the arts and know how important it is. Like I say all the time, how theatre saved my life. So you know, it it will be it will be weird if I if we came out of this and it's a, a portion of it, even like a portion of it is not here. Mm, yeah, it'll be it'll be weird, but it's great how people are you know really trying to do something about it it's amazing 
Yeah, definitely. Well, let's pick up on that, man. Theatre saved your life. 100%. Well, I mean, that feels like a great title for the episode already. So that's great. (laughs) Thank you for that. Um, So maybe we could just zip back um, to like where this all started for you, how you got into theatre, how this kind of crazy roller coaster ride that ends with some pretty unbelievable uh, performances and (laughs) theatre experiences today in some of pretty much the greatest venues, you know, in the UK. Um, It would be wicked just to sort of chat about that and hear how theatre saved your life. Yeah, man. I mean, so yeah, I I grew up in East London uh, and... um, yeah, I think when I was from from when I was a kid, I've always went, I've always loved like making people laugh, and um, <laughs> always like do like performances for my mum in the living room and stuff, try and make her laugh and stuff. So I've always like enjoyed making people laugh and stuff, but I didn't really know how to put that energy. I didn't know where to put that energy. And then when I um when I got to uh, secondary school, I kind of you know there's that period I think between when you're 11 and 14 when you're trying to find your identity with all these kids. Yeah, and um, I think over the course of those two years or three years, I kind of went from the, being the quiet one because I didn't really know my place to being like the class clown. <laughs> and then, um, and then, but then also by being the class clown, I was being very disruptive in class. Um, and like, you know, just- I can't imagine that, man. I can't oh, imagine that. Oh <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I was, I was quite disruptive. And then like, because I was always trying to make my classmates laugh, but it was just like trying to find my identity and trying to find like who I was in, in school and what I could do and stuff. Anyway, but I was putting my energy in all the wrong places. Like, I can't try to be making, you know, my friends laugh when we're trying to learn about photosynthesis. So, um, in... <laughs> What's funny about photosynthesis? I like you found a gag in that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, um, but my drama teacher in school, Fran Servi, who I'm still, like, who I still talk to now because she's amazing. Um, she was like, you know, you can, you know, you know, this is where you put your energy. This is where you entertain your friends. And I was like, Oh, okay, what in drama class? It's like, yeah. So um I was doing that and I found myself really enjoying being or like trying creating other characters or being other people or or whatever. I just enjoyed like playing and just mm-hmm. exploring different characters. And then um she kind of she turned to me, I think it was the end of school, it was the end of I was going into college and she said, You know, you can make a living out of this, you can be an actor you can actually be an actor as a career. And I laughed. I said, nah, there's no way. And um, she she really tried to, you know, I guess, um, convince me to go to drama school and all that stuff. But I wasn't I wasn't for it. I was like, nah, I don't want to go to drama school. I'm not up for that, all that, you know. Because <laughs> in my head, in those times, I thought drama school was like, leaping around in, you know, I don't know. And I was just like, oh, that's not for me sort of thing. Or like pretending to be like animals in the corner. And, and I was like, Nah, I'm not down for that. So <laughs> I kind of strayed away from the whole acting thing and I went to university to be a teacher. Because right. My, yeah, because my mum was really, um, really for me being a teacher. So I went to university and I, st- I studied drama, but I also studied uh, English Lit as well. Right. So um, I was doing that. and But my, but my uh, drama teacher was like, you should really think about this as a career, think about being an actor as a career. So she helped me get my agent who I'm still with today. Um, and she's just been, she's one of the reasons why, you know, I am an, I am an actor because she pushed me from every time I was saying, I don't want to do it or I can't do it. She was like, you can absolutely do it. I remember I was 14 or 13 and I went to see a play at the, um, at the Half Moon Young People's Theatre. 
where I used to go to as a kid. And I saw, um, I saw a guy who looked just like me. He was black. He was a black guy who looked just like me on this stage. And I remember thinking, I've never seen this before. You know, mm-hmm. I would, and like my my drama teacher would take us to the theater all the time. You know, would see plays all the time. I remember we went to see uh, um, the woman in black. And I remember <sighs> thinking, this is terrifying. But where are the black people? <laughs> 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 I, I was like oh no wait I don't know what's what's going on this is this is awesome this is terrifying but I don't see anyone like me and then we went to the half million young people's theater and I saw a play there and I saw a guy who looked just like me and he was incredible and I was like I want to do that but then I thought that, no but he's he must be a special case do you know what I mean mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. he's gonna you know and he's a you know he was great and um I just thought it was not for me but she really really convinced me like you can do this so she helped me get my agent. She, she, she did so much for me, man. And um, yeah. And then she kind of convinced me that I can actually do it. Cause I remember being in university and thinking, no, let me just be a teacher because that's just like the smart way to go, you know? <laughs> and, um, but she was even like in university, she was in my head. So um, <laughs> I remember I got, she uh, got in I got, head, man. She, yeah, got she, in was, head. she was in my head. And I remember I had an agent at the time but we were both still really new at this, in this industry. And um, I had, I got an audition for a play called Mogadishu. That was on. Great play. Great play. It was on at the Royal Exchange and it was going to transfer to Lyric Hammersmith. And I remember going in and um, Matthew Dunster, you know, being Matthew Dunster, (laughs) amazing director. (laughs) He kind of whipped me into shape and I had the best time of my life doing that play. Um, And I learned so much about the theatre and, the stage and everything and he was in, he was incredible like Matthew because the kids that were in the play I think for some of us it was our first jobs our yeah. first professional professional jobs and he really looked after us and he was really like not not strict like a teacher but that, like tough love sort of thing do you know what I mean and he was like yeah if you guys really want to be actors this is how you do it sort of thing and that yeah. really and that really stuck with me so yeah I did Mogadishu and then uh then we did the tour the year after and I still and I still didn't think that acting was my thing. I always thought I'll do the play, I'll do the tour, and I'll go back to uni. <laughs> so um, hang on, did you did you leave uni to do more? I did, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I did. But before that, I actually had a conversation with my tutor, and I was like, "Is there any way I can do the play and still stay in uni?" And she was like, "No, you got to pick." Wow. And then I was like, "Oh, okay." So for a long time, I have I think I had like a week or so to decide, and wow. then um. I was like, okay, I'll do the play. If I defer this year, I'll do the play, then I'll come back next year. And what and then, year was that? Was that your first year at uni? That was halfway through my second year. Right. Uni. Yeah, I was, I just turned, I think I was 19. And um, <laughs> yeah, and I was like, I'll defer this year, go and do the play and I'll come back next year. And then it was announced that it was going to do a UK tour. Never been on tour before. I was like, this might be fun. So I, <laughs> I spoke to my tutor. I was like, I'm going to defer next year, but I'll come back the year after. <laughs> And she was like, yeah, it's fine. It's totally fine. And I've been doing that ever since. Like, yeah, yeah. So you're still going next year, technically. Yeah, I'm still going next year. I'm still going next year. To the, and I'm excited like, about it. Yeah. And so just talk to me for a bit, because, you know, there's so much in the industry, I think, about, like, you have to go to drama school. You have to yeah. be at one of the big drama schools to get an mm-hmm. agent. Da, da, da. And obviously, you've taken a really different route and a really interesting route. So just how how did that come about with an agent like what was the actual like mechanics of that is it did somebody know somebody and you got an audition or did you send like cvs out like what what was the process of that i didn't know i didn't know anyone and um, <laughs> it was it was it was crazy because i'm 
I didn't know anybody. I didn't know anyone in the industry or nothing like that. All, all I knew is that I really liked being on stage and I really liked performing. And um, I think, what year was it? I want to say 2007 or 2008. It was it was around there, or two, maybe even 2000, I can't remember. But I think Kid Hood had just, uh, just come out. Right. There was, this, there was this like, there was this, um, I guess there was this, um, what's the word? People really wanted actors who hadn't trained. There was right, this, like, right. desire for to get actors who hadn't trained and stuff. And there was a lot of, um, yeah, I guess there was a lot of demand for them. And um, I remember I used to, I used to go. So I used to go as a kid, as a teenager. I so as when I was from eleven to fifteen, I'd go to a half million young people's theater, and uh, after these after school, you know, classes, and then I got too old, and I remember being so upset because obviously. <laughs> When you get to sixteen, they gotta kick you out because you're you're too you're too old now. <laughs> I remember being so upset, and then I started going to, um, like I guess acting classes in Hoxton Hall, right. um, in North London, and I remember I was going to them, and then I started working there as well. So I was working there as like a because uh, I was working, yeah, I was working there as like a uh, as an usher or at box office. There was even a point when I was working there as a follow spot operator, and um. Yeah, so I was just trying to, I, was, I guess I was learning everything about the industry, but without knowing that I was learning everything about the industry, if that makes sense. Mm, yeah, yeah. And, and um, then one day, Hoxton Hall decided that they were going to make like an agency. It was, at the time, it was called Hoxton Street Casting. And then uh, my there was like um, leaflets handed out to all the nearest schools and colleges around London, or around North London or around East London. And then obviously my college got it. And my um my my sixth form got it, sorry, and my drama teacher was like, You should definitely go and audition for this. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, maybe, I don't know. No, you should you're gonna audition for this. And I remember <laughs> I used the same monologue that was done in the play that I went to see when I was 13. Oh wow. And I did that monologue and then I got in. And it was like a 12 week, I wanna say it was like a 12 week program. And it was sort of like drama school fit into 12 weeks. So the first so there was 12 of us, and the first half was um you know, acting, you know, here's how you act. This is Shakespeare. This is, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then the second, oh, this is TV. And then the second half was, if you make it, this is how you should behave. So there was like media training. Um, wow. You know, yeah, really it, was all that, it was all that stuff. And then they paid for our first year of Spotlight and then they paid for our headshots. And Amazing. then, um, yeah, it was incredible. Honestly, I'm so lucky. And then, um, oh, so lucky, so blessed. And then, um, then my agent walked out and saw, and then we did a massive showcase and they brought as many like casting directors, producers came to see it. And then our agent walked out and then we was, it was announced that this was going to be our agent. And then we were like, Oh, Hey, and she went, Hey, and then she walked out and then it was like, right, you're actors go out into the world. And then, <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. And then we were like, okay, so what do we do now? Sort of thing. And then we all just went back to our lives. <laughs> <laughs> so I went to uni. Some people went like and did their day jobs. It was crazy. And then you, once in a while you get a call from your agent and say, oh, so there's this commercial, there's this short film, do you want to do it? Or do you, do you want to audition for it? I was like, yeah, of course. So I did loads of like short films and um, I did loads of short films when I was 18, 17, 18. And then, my, and then I did a play in West London called Superhuman. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was in a community theatre in, in Labrick Grove with Spid Theatre Company. And and that was like um, with like loads of young people, and it was in the community th- uh, theater, and it was immersive. So it was all around the community center in this like um, estate in Labrick Grove, and that was awesome. And then 
I did um then it was a um, Mogadishu, then Mogadishu came up and then I was like okay great wow. so yeah that's how it kind of happened so I did I didn't know anybody I just an opportunity came up I think back then as well there was loads and loads of opportunities for um young people for young people who were interested in the arts and who wanted to give it a try do you know what I mean yeah and and there were and there were institutions and there were buildings that were willing to give these young people a try mm-hmm. so I think I was very blessed and very lucky to be in that be around at around that time because even then I still really didn't know what I wanted to do I didn't really know who I was so um you know and I was hanging out with when I was a lot younger I saw a lot of things and I hung around with people that quite question, questionable and I you know <laughs> made mistakes and all that stuff and but I was really I guess for me I was didn't really know who I was and then this sort of thing came about and I f- finally felt at home like I knew exactly what I wanted to do it was mm. crazy I've never had that moment before in like my I guess my adolescent life I was just I was I guess I was just going through the motions and then um this happened and then it was like oh I know exactly what I want to do now wow. and then yeah it all, it all just sort of made sense and then here I am you know 10, 12 years later. I mean, what a moment. And also, it strikes me how important it was um, to see yourself represented on stage at that in that early point. Oh, it was so important. It was so important because it was it was literally the first time. We would we would go to the theatre. My, my drama teacher, I'm arguably the best drama teacher in the world because, you know, she took us everywhere. She mm. took us to see the ballet. You know, she, she took us everywhere. And, um, you know, to see that, to see that play, which was just around the corner from our college, from our sixth form, uh, half of the young people's theatres in Limehouse. And um, to see that play and to see that young man, I was like, oh, my days, like, <laughs> it's, actually, it's actually possible. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, um, yeah. And it meant so much to me. I, d- I don't know what it is, but something just clicked in me. And then I've never, fo- I've never forgotten that moment or that play. And I remember when I first sat down, I was being so disruptive and there was other kids as well. And I was like, oh, this is dead. Uh, oh my God, why are we sitting here? Uh. <laughs> and then the play started and then I saw him and I was like, whoa. You know what I mean? And everything just sort of, it was sort of like this weird, I don't know, I don't know, ethereal moment, I, I guess. Yeah. It's it's belonging, I suppose, isn't it? It's just suddenly yeah. realising you belong. Yeah. Um, and that how shocking that that feeling hadn't come to you earlier you know it's yeah, so sad yeah. that you hadn't seen that representation earlier and and do you feel that now like in your own work when you're on stage do you think of the kids out there in the audience who are seeing you up there and seeing themselves represented through you do, uh, um not until you ask that question no, um, <laughs> <laughs> no i do you know i've never i've no i don't know i, I don't think so i guess you know, I always, I always try to, you know, I always try to audition for uh, projects that I feel like are gonna uh, create conversation and create debate. Mm-hmm. Do, do you know what I mean? So, um, but when I speak to some people afterwards or, or after the play and stuff, and I and they, and I realize how much it touched them or how much it's created a conversation, I feel like I've done my job. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, it's I just. But not- it's, it's very nice when you know you receive a message or somebody comes up to you like randomly like you might you might be in a coffee shop somewhere and someone randomly comes up to you and says I saw you in this play like five years ago and I thought and I was like whoa <laughs> I, I haven't even thought about that play and then you just you know what I mean it's just it's crazy it is crazy it's humbling yeah 
Yeah, it is. I mean, yeah, I can only imagine. I just love the thought of um, little versions of you out there, you know, and then they're going <laughs> to go and audition. Now they've seen you in the dream or whatever, and they're, you know, yeah. it's, it's really important, isn't it? So, yeah, okay, Wicked. So you've done Mogadishu, um, mm-hmm. smash hit play, nailed it. Not bad first one. Yeah. Um, big tour. What what happened next? Uh, so after Mogadishu, then we did the, the tour and then I did uh, two films back to back. Uh, one film was called Borrow Time and the other film was called 28K. And then nothing for like a year. <laughs> so I thought, oh, in that time I was like, okay, so sh- I guess this is the time where I just go back to <laughs> go back to uni. But I decided not to because I really, really, really wanted to give it a try. So I worked in a bar in Waterloo for, yeah, for, for the best part of a year. And I was just auditioning. I was just auditioning and nothing was happening. And, you know, I wasn't getting anything. And it was just one of, it was just one of those, I guess it was one of those moments I think every actor has where um, it just goes dry for a bit. <laughs> and yeah. that's what happened. So I was just working in a bar. I was thinking, I was like, um, yeah, barman slash security where I was just like, <laughs> you know, when it starts getting late and people start getting a bit rowdy, I just start throwing people out. And then, I, yeah, yeah. So that's what I was doing for like best part of a year. And then, um, and then things started to pick up around 2012. Uh, I did a pilot um, for a TV show on BBC Three. Uh, it didn't get picked up, unfortunately, but it was. I had the best week ever. And then, um, then I uh, then what happened after that? Oh yes, and then I did a um, secret theatre. Oh um, yes, amazing. At, at Lyric Hammersmith with with um, Sean Holmes. And that yeah. was, that was probably like the best, craziest, weirdest <laughs> two years of my life. <laughs> it was honestly, I learned so much about myself, about the industry and, um, and about like theatre. Like it was just the best, craziest two years of my life. And I'll never forget. And I'll always be grateful to it. And then, um, and that was like, um, it was you. You guys created like an ensemble, right, for two years. Yeah, ten of us. Yeah, did plays, and I think um, the audiences didn't necessarily know what the play was. Yeah, you just come along and then you get it, and it felt like the energy of that was a sort of idea of like radically reinterpreting plays. I felt like yeah, like showing yeah, yeah. them new light, showing them new ideas. Is yeah, that right? yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That's wow. exactly right. Sean Holmes had this wacky idea to do this sort of like um, secret cinema type thing where people come in and don't know what they're watching. And then we were like, oh, yeah, this is cool. <laughs> and then uh, <laughs> we all went to Berlin for three days and we started watching some some plays over there. And we remember thinking, this this stuff is wacky. <laughs> and then we came back and we were like, should we try and attempt some of that stuff? Some of the European <laughs> style? And then we did, uh, the first play we did was Wojciech. And then um, we did uh, Streetcar and Desire, but we didn't do American accents. And it was in a white box. Uh, what? And then, so yeah, it was seven plays and I think four of them were new plays and three of them were um, contempor- already written. So yeah, it was, um, it was, it was amazing, man. It was awesome. <laughs> and like, I made like lifelong friends in that. And it was, um, yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy, but it was awesome as well. I think I was like 21 when I went in there and I was wow. a bit like, I was a bit like, Oh, what's this? Oh. <laughs> um, <laughs> it was cool. Though. It was cool. And then after that, Sean asked me if I wanted to, uh, do panto. So I did in 2011. I did Aladdin. I played Aladdin, Aladdin, at the Lyric Hammersmith, 
my first pantomime. And, um, <laughs> How was that? That was awesome. It was awesome. <laughs> Although I had no idea what I was doing. So, <laughs> because it's not, because there's a reason why pantomime is called pantomime. It's not called, you know, a play. You know what I'm saying? I had, <laughs> I, had, I had no idea what I was doing. So I had to learn, like, I had to learn the tricks and the trade of panto. So I learned, everything I learned on Aladdin, I, you know, I delivered on Cinderella. I did Cinderella <laughs> in, in 2012. And then um, I played one of the ugly stepsisters and that was incredible. And then uh, then it was Secret <laughs> Theatre and then Sean asked me if I wanted to um, uh, do uh, Bugsy Malone. Ah, uh, yes. Oh, what a play. Yeah. And then I, I was Bugsy Malone and I was like, uh, yeah. And that was, that was really fun. That was really, really fun. And so what, what happened? What was, what came after the lyric? After the lyric. So I did actually in 2016, I did, um, uh, what did I, I did? Oh yes. I did. Um, I missed someone night's dream at the lyric with, uh, with filter theater and Sean directed it. And I played Demetrius there. I, um, I saw that production. I absolutely loved that production. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. One of the greatest Oberons uh, in Johnny Broadbent <laughs> that I've ever, yeah. ever seen. Yeah, he's hilarious, man. He's a dream. And um, so, yeah, Sean asked me if I wanted to be a part of that, and I said, "Hell yes." And, um, I think we had, I think we had like two weeks rehearsal, maybe or three wow. weeks rehearsal, and then we went in and we did it. It was an hour and a half, and it was honestly, I've never had so much fun. Um, it was just wacky and crazy. I mean, there was a food fight in there. So it was just like, it was it was so much fun. And then from, that was, a, I think, the last thing I did at the Lyric in that time. And then I went and I went off to the National and I worked with Rufus for a bit and um, Three Penny Opera. Yeah. Um, with um, Robbie Kinnear, Rosalie Craig, Hayden Gwynn, uh, Debbie Currup, Nick Holder, and, um, and loads of amazing, Legato Chocolat. I mean, um, what a team! What yeah, a team yeah. To be a part of. <laughs> yeah, Sarah Manqua. Yeah, there was like incredible people on that, on that, and that that was the best time ever. I've never had so much fun on the produ- on the production. That production again. I, I I feel like I feel like with Sean, I developed a love for like really out there theater. Yeah, and then and then Threepney came up, and I was like, yeah, this is sick. <laughs> um, yeah, and then um, what did I do? And then I did um, Amadeus, uh, straight after, with um, with Lucian and Adam Gillen, and that was cool. That was um, that was really fun, because I learned to play. I actually learned to play the trumpet for that. Wow! So you hadn't played yeah, before. Never touched the trumpet in my life, and I was <laughs> I was very very adamant that I wanted to play it with the orchestra with the, with uh, Southbank Symphonia. I was like, I don't, I don't want to fake it. I want to play it. <laughs> That's amazing. I mean, what was that like? Did you just like, did you learn the trumpet or did you learn like one tune on the trumpet? I learned like two tunes on the trumpet. Oh, you like, smashed it, man. Really, You're a trumpeteer. I'm a grade one. <laughs> I actually, I actually took the test. Oh, yes. So yeah, I, I was so adamant that I wanted to play. I remember... I, re- I all I remember was like I I really 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 want to play the trumpet. <laughs> I just I just want to play the trumpet. I don't want to mime it. And then um yeah, so I learned it. One of the one of the trumpeteers in the South Saxophonia, Sarah, she was like, if you really want to learn, I'll teach you. And so, so she taught me. 
Oh my god, that's a you you one of the trumpeters from the Symphonia taught you. I mean, that, like some yeah. people would kill for that opportunity to be taught it was amazing. by someone like that. It was amazing. I remember Michael Longhurst was like, he remembers. I remember him saying he was like, "Oh, you know, we, you're just gonna mime it." I was like, "No, I don't want to mime it. I don't want to." <laughs> anyway. But yeah, uh, that was that was cool, and I developed a love for Mozart. That was amazing. Yeah, I mean, what a privilege to like yeah. get to know, I suppose, that that music and that that person so well over the course yeah. of the project. Yeah, it was amazing. It was so cool. It it seems really interesting as well that like um, you find homes all over the place. You know, like the lyric became a home for a while, the national became a home for a while. That's I, that, Very, that's quite rare, I think, for actors. You know, what I mean, to find that kind of continuity of working I'm, and I'm very blessed, bro. I'm very, very, I'm very, very. <laughs> well, it yeah. also suggests um, you're doing something right. <laughs> you know, they keep oh, bringing yeah, you I back. So. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Amazing. And so then, um, what came next? Uh, Barbershop Chronicles came next. Uh, I mean, a defining moment, surely. I mean, certainly for audiences. I imagine for yourself as well. Yeah, um, Barbershop Chronicles definitely will stay with me for the rest of my life. Um, I've never felt something the way I felt on the first night of um, the first preview. I've never felt um, energy like that before. Mm. Um, I, and also, Barbershop Chronicles is just one of those projects that will, I don't think anything can will touch it because of what it represented for the actors who were in it and also for the people who came to see it. Because mm. I remember the first day of rehearsals when I walked in, and no disrespect to any other rehearsals I've been in. Every rehearsal I've been in, I've been, I've been blessings. I've been incredible. I've learned so much. But I think, but what sets this rehearsal room apart was that I've never walked into a rehearsal room and felt instantly at home. Mm-hmm. There was something about what Bijan did, what Inwa did, and what the rest of the creative team and what the boys did, where we instantly felt at home. I feel like, I don't know, this might be just me. It might be just me, but I feel like, you know, it's hard when you walk into a rehearsal room being the minority, being like one of few mm. uh, black people or people of colour and um, having to, I guess, conform. And um, I didn't have to, we didn't have to do this in this rehearsal room. We were literally just ourselves. Mm. Like, it was, we were purely ourselves and I've never enjoyed a rehearsal room so much because we all just reverted back to, we all reverted to our African selves or like, <laughs> I, it was, it was, it was, it was, it was incredible. And the first preview, I, I'll never forget it. I remember like welling up and tearing up where I saw people stand up and people rush the stage. Like I will, <laughs> I will never forget that. I will never, ever, ever forget that. The music hit, we were about to do our uh, curtain call or the dance after the curtain call and people just rushed the stage. And it was like a 15 minute rave that just kicked off in the Dorfman. And then it happened again on press. <laughs> That's so and then good. We were just, and I remember, I remember like going back into my dressing room and crying because I was just like that. I've never seen that ever. I've never, ever seen that. And I've never felt that way where I've, where I look into the audience and I see young people who look just like me watching the show. And, and you can tell that they're having the time of my life time of their lives and like people coming to the theater who have never 
ever been. I'm talking about people who are from inner city London or wherever they are in the country who have come all the way to the Dorfman to see this show about barbershops, about black barbershops, never, ever been to the theatre because they genuinely, genuinely thought it wasn't, they weren't allowed or it wasn't for them. Yeah. And then this show came up and you had people who had never been, never been, who sat in the theatre and watched this show and had the time of their lives and learnt so much. I mean, nah, man, I will never, I will never forget it. It was just the best thing I ever did. I'm so, so blessed and so lucky to be a part of that, to be a part of that production, to be a part of that project. It was great. And so, I mean, I say, what's next? I feel like in a, in a weird way, it's like a pinnacle, isn't it? You're like, that's you. You've kind of fixed theatre. You've fixed the society. You can, you can go become a teacher back at uni now. You've nailed it. <laughs> no, so, uh, did, so uh, Barbershop Chronicles was 2017. And then we did it again in 2018. And then it was, uh, then I did a Monster Calls. A great show. At, at the Old Vic, which again, it, it was, you know, same things, but for a different reason. Um, you know, talking about grief and loss and having to accept, having to accept like acceptance of losing somebody. And that thing was just, um, again, another, another, th- another thing I'll never forget. And every single person on that, on that show, again, lifelong friends. I mean, we went through so much doing that show. And um, yeah, again, another show that I'll never forget. And then um, after that, I think is uh, Miss Someone Night's Dream. Your play crush. My play crush, um, yeah. Look at that. Look, I mean, seamlessly, mate, seamlessly linked through. <laughs> You're a professional and I like that about you. <laughs> uh, so this was your second Midsummer Night's Dream. Yeah, man. Um, and this time you are at the Bridge Theatre uh, yeah. and in quite a different part uh, to your first one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I played Bottom, Nick Bottom. Amazing. Nick Bottom the Weaver. What, should we chat a little bit about um, that experience at the bridge, and then we'll get stuck into the play, or you know, yeah, yeah, sure, crush over each other. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. My experience, I can only describe it as like being all of us, the whole cast, being like rock stars. <laughs> <laughs> what a feeling! It was. I don't know. It must. I was just. I remember thinking, this must be what rock stars feel like. I don't know. <laughs> Like going out on concert and then, I don't know, it, hey man, the Bridge Theatre, first of all, let me say, it's an amazing theatre. What the, the the things that you can do over there is incredible. Um, I had the, I had literally the best time ever. Um, what I've every, loved about every project is it's been the best time ever. I'm like, it really this is, is a lucky I'm, man. This is a lucky man. <laughs> I can't, I can't, I can't knock it. I, honestly, all the, <laughs> every single show I've done has been amazing for all like, Different reasons, isn't it? I've had the best time at everything I've done. I'm just super lucky and blessed to be able to do what I do. So I can't, I can't knock the stuff that I've done. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, definitely. No, I love it. Well, but I think I, what I also love is that um, you, you never include yourself in that. Like it's, it's like it's just <laughs> to do with you as well is the reason it's the best thing ever. <laughs> like, honestly, like at the <laughs> at the bridge, I had. Oh man, because Bottom is a part that I've always wanted to play ever since I read the play for the first time when I was 14 years old. It's been um, the the part that I've wanted to play. Well, it basically and, uh, is the class clown, isn't it? Like that, Yeah, like, it, that exactly. It's like, that's exactly. it. Exactly. And I knew, I remember when I first read the play and I went, I know exactly how I'm going to play that. <laughs> I know exactly how I'm going to play Nick Bottom. And then... When I had when I had the discussion or when I had the audition with Nick and we were talking about how he's gonna 
he's going to switch the Titania and the Oberon parts and make Oberon have the spell like being cast mm-hmm. on him and he's going to fall in love with Bottom. And I was like, oh my days, this is just going to enhance the idea that I already have. <laughs> because I've always seen, I've always seen Nick Bottom as this guy who, of course, wants to be the center of attention, but also just loves life and loves just the moment. He just loves mm-hmm. the moment. So whatever happens in that moment, he's going to go for it a hundred percent. So I never really saw it as a thing where Titania, you know, falls, uh, tells him that tells him that she loves him, and he goes, "No, stop it!" I've always gone like, "Well, yeah, of course you do. It's me," <laughs> <laughs> you know. So, um, yeah, I just thought it was an amazing idea, and then working with Oliver Chris, who's wicked, honestly wicked, and with Gwendolyn, who's incredible, and working with all the aerialists. You know, and the, and the guys and mechanicals and the lovers, like everyone was just wicked. Everyone was just awesome, and we honestly, all of us, it was like, it almost didn't feel like work. It almost <laughs> didn't feel like work. It felt like staying at home was was work, and then I had to go <laughs> and have, to go into the theatre was the fun part. So, um, yeah, man, I had I had an awesome time, man, doing that doing that play, honestly, and also because it was a part that I've always wanted to play, and I just, I really. You know, not to toot my own horn, but I reveled, man. I just <laughs> honestly, I went so far, as far as I possibly could. You know, I honestly thought there was a time when Nick was like, "Hamid, you need to rein it in," <laughs> because there were a couple of shows. You can ask some of the guys in the show. There was a couple of shows where I did the most. I was doing so much because all I wanted to do was just make everyone laugh, not just the audience, but like my castmates too. I wanted to crack them. I wanted to make them corpse. I wanted to like, I was just playing. I was just playing. And did it meet your expectations? 100%. Yeah. 100%. Like all the ideas, like, you know, with, with, with the ears and, and the costumes and everything, it was just like, oh, this all makes complete sense, you know? Mm, yeah. Um. Yeah. Honestly, it was just, and the audience as well, the audience that that kept coming in, you know, who wanted yeah. to see this, who wanted to see this crazy, wacky party. When you've got people flying over you in silks, you know, <laughs> that's, that's incredible in itself. Those guys were super strong, are super strong. And you're just looking at them and go, how are you doing that? All I had to do is just, you know say lines and stuff. but them guys are saying lines and hanging upside down David Morse was saying lines and hanging upside down I don't know who I don't know I don't know who he is <laughs> he is, must be a Terminator on Android or something because <laughs> I could tell you he was ripped and, um, <laughs> yeah it was no honestly man it was it, it went far beyond my expectations it was just incredible man and the fact that people enjoyed the show as much as we enjoyed doing it. It just made it 10 times better. So every time we went out there, we knew that they were going to have a good time only because we knew we were going to have a good time, you know? Yeah. So yeah, it was great. There wasn't, there wasn't a bad show. And we did like 101 shows, I think, or something like that. Oh man, I mean, it's, I'm so gutted I missed it. It sounds essentially like the greatest production of all time. Um, <laughs> so, I mean, that, you know, Midsummer's Dream is probably one of the best, you know, one of the best known plays yeah, you know, of all times, I suppose. You know, um, for those who don't know, it, I mean, it's it's about these lovers, really, isn't it? Um, trying to escape a sort of oppressive regime or a regime that tells them they can't be together. They get yeah. lost in the woods, mad adventure, 
fairies magic ensues everybody mistakes for everybody else everyone falls in love with everybody else but at the end of it the right people seem to fall in love with the right people and um even the sort of grumpies uh, back at home in Athens kind of sort their love love and their relationship out and yeah. it all ends in a massive wedding it's sort of the prototype romantic comedy in some ways um yeah. but like what what is it a play about for you like what why, why for you is that a play crush I mean is it the part is it playing it or is there something in the play as well that you responded to I think it's the freedom in our like okay so for me the reason why I really love the play one of the reasons why I really love the play is because I've always said that William Shakespeare like no offense to the purists or anything like that this is just me but I honestly think that William Shakespeare wrote that play when he was he must have been drunk or high <laughs> he, he must have been he must have been because <laughs> he must have been because the freedom of which he just went like he went so far left like it was <laughs> do you know what I mean like because the play starts off, I guess, sort of, you know, like you said, the the oppressive regime. You've got the you've got um the king of Athens going, you know, they've had the war with the Queen of Amazons, and it's like, all right, we've won the war. You have to marry me, you're my prize. And it's like really like, oh my gosh, that's horrible. Mm. And then you've got these, you know, lovers who goes like, You, uh, Hermia, must marry this man, otherwise you're gonna spend the rest of your life in the nunnery. And it's like, mm. oh that's horrible. Yeah. what's going on and then you go and then but then all of a sudden the play just switches and then you've got these like normal guys who are about to put on a play for a really horrible wedding that <laughs> people that you know doesn't want no one wants it to happen at first you really don't want it to happen but then these guys just come around come out of nowhere and just start making you laugh and you just go oh these guys are really funny and then you then switch and then you're in the forest and then there's a fairy and then where did where did the fairies come from <laughs> I, honestly honestly Joe I remember reading this play I was like 14, 15 I remember reading this play I was like what what <laughs> <laughs> what, what? I, but like but like it was just but I was like cracking up as well because you know I've always loved Shakespeare and this and this one just really like sticks with me just only because of how wild it is like we all know, like most of Shakespeare's plays, like most of them are pretty wild in itself. Like, you know, Titus Andronicus, man, that don't even get me started. But like, <laughs> you know, Miss Summer Night's Dream, just like you start, you start really grey, and then you end up with all this colour. Yeah, and it's just like I feel like he must have taken some mushrooms and just went fuck it. <laughs> We um, I toured a version with it with the Globe Theatre in China, yeah, yeah. and you know, obviously for us, it's like you know, as you say, like from like thirteen, fourteen, you know this play, you've seen it, whatever, you know. Um, but for the Chinese, I suppose it's less, you know, it's not as culturally prevalent, yeah. and so it, it was like um, doing it like a new writing performance, you know, yeah, it was just yeah. like what the shit is going on? Why is yeah. that guy a donkey? Why is she falling in love? They were just like, what? And like, it was, it sounds like um, your interaction with the play and the production you did kind of recaptured that original wildness that, it, I mean, imagine seeing that for the first time, you should have a clue what was going on. Honestly, like, cause I saw, cause I saw Sean Holmes's production at the Globe. Right. And, and again, it was the same sort of, you know, 
what he definitely <laughs> captured the craziness of it from the from the get-go i was like what the hell is going on like you think you know the play and then you watch a different production and you just go what is going on like sean had like a member of the audience be one of the mechanicals that is genius yeah that is brilliant <laughs> do you know what i mean and i was just like this is just and again this is one of the reasons why i love shakespeare because of there's so many different interpretations that you could you know I'm, I'm sure there's, a, for some people, like you have one interpretation, but I think the reason why Shakespeare is Shakespeare and the reason why he's so, you know, wildly loved is because you can just interpret it however you want to. And I think for Nick, he wanted to tr- he wanted to go somewhere that he probably hasn't seen before when you swap the Titania and the Oberon roles and you make it about the, the male rather than this weird sort of king of the fairies drugging his wife to then steal mm. a, a little boy to make him his slave sort of thing. I was just like, oh, this is a bit, that's nasty. That's a bit, that's a bit dark. <laughs> we don't like that. You know what I mean? And um, we wanted to go, we wanted to go somewhere else to make it, I guess, lighter, but more, you know, in your face, Oberon. <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I'm saying? I mean, I guess that's how I read it. That's how I read it. Yeah. But um, yeah. I just love I just love how wacky it is. It just goes from zero to a hundred in like half an hour. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Which is not which is, you know, quite long, but not well in Shakespeare it's not. But it seems like yeah <laughs> it seems like um in in a lot of your work, and I suppose in some ways like culminating in um Midsummer Night's Dream, that the sort of live experience for the audience, an almost like roller coaster energy, and almost like, you know, um once in a lifetime moment, whether that's with Barbershop or with Amadeus and the trumpet and the orchestra or the sort of um, performative nature of bottom. It, 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 and it feels like maybe this play encapsulates that, that um, for you, is it that theatre is like a live experience unlike any other and that the audience should come out and have a wild ride. And that that's the, that's the experience. I definitely want, yeah. I mean, I've, when I started to get to that point where I was, you know, where I knew exactly what kind of shows or what kind of things I wanted to go up for. I was like, I want I want people to come out of the theatre and really felt like they've been somewhere else. Right. Do you know what I mean? Or like, I want them to come out of the theatre and have a real in-depth conversation as to what they've just seen. I don't want, I kind of, I'm kind of over the whole thing with that. Oh, that was good. It was all right. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be a part of that. I want to be like, you've really hated it and I want to know why. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or you loved it and I want to know why. I'm not really down for the middle anymore. Do you know what I'm saying? So yeah. I feel like it's more exciting if it's either one or the other, not, you know, that little um, icky bit in the middle. And do you know why? Like, uh, it might it might not be possible to articulate that, but like why that kind of um, visceral reaction feels important to you, that kind of proper... Um, you're a different person from when you went into the auditorium to came out of it. Like, do you know what what is important about that for you? I don't know. Like, it's like, okay, so it's kind of like you never really know someone until you've had an argument with them. I feel like I feel like it's something like that where you just go, I want I want to get a real reaction out of you. I want mm-hmm. to know the real. I want to know you. Tell me what you really think. Like, because I, I won't get offended if I if I you know I've been really lucky and blessed enough to do to be an actor and to do these and to be a part of these amazing plays. And I want, if you've come to see a play that I've been in, 
I want you to tell me what you really think of it. Don't just tell me it was great. I want you to tell me what you really, really think of it. Because I feel mm-hmm. like that's where, that's where we we start to have the real conversations. Yeah. And we and I want us to have a debate about it. I want to know why you hated it. Tell me why you hated it. I'm not I'm not upset, but just tell me why you hated it. Because now because I know you got a feeling from it. And yeah. that's what the, and that's what I feel theater should do. Theater should it should sting you. It should give you like a feeling. I want it theater should just like prick you. Do you know what I mean? I was, it needs to give you something. Whether it's like a negative or a really, really, really positive feeling, it should really get you. Because it's it's a form of escapism, you know, mm-hmm. from whatever's going on in your in your personal life or whatever, it's a form of escapism. So you want to feel like you've gone somewhere else. Mm. You don't want to, you know, go to the theater and just sit there for two and a half hours probably and not feel anything because then, then it, you know, that play hasn't done its job, you know? Yeah. I want you to go into the theater and I want it to really like get you, but like it can't, but it, you know, it could have got you because you really hated it. And that's great because you felt something. Yeah. Or you could have gone in there and you really, really loved it and you you felt it in your heart and that's great as well. I feel like both sides are really good. I feel like both sides are really good <laughs> because I just want people to feel something when they go to the theatre because that's what I felt when I went to the theatre and I saw that young man, you know, I mean, he's not young anymore. Sorry, bro. But like... <laughs> <laughs> that's cold, man. That is very cold. <laughs> no, 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 he's young, he's young, he's young. He's good. Um, <laughs> but when I saw that guy on stage, he looked, you know, just like me, I felt something. Do you know what I mean? Hmm. I really felt something. Or when I saw, um, when I saw Mar Rainey's Black Bottom, I felt something. Like I felt it so much that I went back to see it a second time to feel it again. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? It's that sort of. I feel like everyone should go to the theater for that stinging, that, that sting, that that. I don't know. No, I don't. Tri- I get. I totally tricky get it. Feeling. Yeah, and to yeah. sort of go into the woods like you're in some dream for a bit, like right? exactly. just go and get exactly. lost in a sort of wild woods somewhere. Exactly, um, yeah. And I think it's amazing that you know it that experience from you as a young man is something now you want to like give out and share and inspire in other people. Hundred percent, um, man. And I think that just feels what an amazing motivation uh, to work. And I think um, it's clear in you as an actor because I think like. Um, you know, the make people laugh, the show off kid thing um, can be about you, not about the audience. But yeah, whenever, you know, I've seen your work, it, it's all about the audience for you. It's all about, it's not, it's like, yeah, sure, look at me, but not for my own sake, but because I think I can take you somewhere and I think I can give you that sting or that emotional experience. And I think that generosity towards an audience, like just radiates out and makes you such an exciting actor to watch. Oh, um, thanks, man. Appreciate it. No, well, I th- and I think like it's so clear now where that comes from, like in your work. Um, Thanks, man. And just a final question: uh, I've been asking a few of the guests is what's um, what are the sort of things that have been getting you through at the moment? Can you recommend any good content, anything fun, any good TV shows, films, books, music, anything um, to give someone a little uh, pick up uh, at the moment? Anything you've watched that you thought was particularly good, or heard that you thought was particularly good? I've um, I've been watching a lot of a lot of Netflix. Yeah, of course. <laughs> I blame you. Uh, I, look, listen. You know, during this time, I mean, I'm not ashamed, man. I've been watching a lot of a lot of Netflix, a lot of Amazon Prime, just trying to catch up on some of the box sets that I've missed. Nice. So what I don't know. About All right. So I found New Girl. What well, my yeah. my girlfriend my girlfriend got me onto New Girl. Excellent. Um, uh, this is us. 
Yeah. I May Destroy You. Oh, man. Yeah. But also, there's uh, some books as well that I'm... So I'm reading this book uh, in particular. It's Akala's book, Natives. Oh, yeah. Amazing. I think is a... I think is a... A, a book that everybody should read because I think it's very important to the climate in which we are in today and um, in terms of uh, racial uh, injustice and inequality in the UK. Mm. Um, I think it's important for all of us to read because um, I've learned so much from that book. Um, so I think we should all read it. Uh, but that's about it really, you know, and hanging out with my brothers and playing basketball and... <laughs> you know yeah <laughs> very nice yeah, yeah that's how that's kind of how i like staying in touch with some of my friends like every every friday i've got a bunch of friends we do like quizzes and every sunday and we do quizzes and stuff like that so on zoom and stuff so um yeah just trying to stay in touch with friends and I, i've been doing a lot of baking oh man i've i've, I've gone cooking so, yeah. but I respect that you've gone baking what's your like what's your proudest creation what have you what have you nailed I, this is thanks to Fisayo Akinade, right? <laughs> so my brother, yeah, and my girlfriend introduced me to the chocolate and Guinness cake. <laughs> right? What an abomination. I've never heard of this. It, hey, listen. <laughs> it bangs, man. It's so nice. <laughs> it's so nice. Because um, Fisayo is a bit of a chef baker. He could do it all. So... Uh, and then my and then my missus did, my missus tried it and then she like nailed it first try and then I tried it and then I you don't want to know what my cake came out like <laughs> so I tried it again and it was it was better than the second time it was it better than the first time it wasn't fantastic but it was better and then I tried it the third time and then it came out I was like yes so um, yeah baking cooking as well trying to cook as cook different things and I've been watching a lot of Jamie Oliver's like quick quick cooks <laughs> on like YouTube <laughs> trying to get like those quick things that you can make in like half an hour um, yeah right. man just trying to just trying to stay mentally healthy you know because yeah. I feel like it's you know I don't even know how long it's been now I know it's been over 12 weeks or 13 yeah. weeks or whatever but it's it's easy to to fall into that uh, dark space you know and I think yeah. during the during the period of um I mean that whole thing that happened, the the murder of George Floyd yeah. and yeah. and all that stuff. Like for me personally, it kind of put me in a really really uh, dark space, you know. And I it took me a while to climb out out of that. So, um, but I'm feeling good now. But I was tr- just trying to stay healthy mentally. I think for me, it's the most important thing. Um, yeah, and being and generous also, to yourself, right? Like, yeah, hundred percent. It's man. all right, whatever you're feeling. Like, it's all okay. Oh yeah, hundred percent, man. And eating lots and lots of um, burgers, <laughs> <laughs> and that's what that got you out of the space in the end. It oh, was the burgers. Yeah, oh man, it was the burgers, man. You can't beat a good burger, man. So. <laughs> I'm so with you. What's your best burger in London? Have you got a best burger in London? The honest plant burger is oh, wi- wicked. It's next level. It's next level. It's can't next. You can't touch it. You can't touch it. <laughs> can't touch it. I'm not even a vegan. <laughs> I'm not even a vegan. You're choosing it over meat. I mean, that is, that's I'm, big. I, I, do, do you know how big that is, bro? I love a bit of chicken. That is huge. Uh, oh, but, man. Yeah, but that plant burger is just next level, man. So, yeah. 
um that's what i've been doing just trying to stay mentally healthy man just watching a lot of comedy yeah um yeah just laughing 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 with my family laughing with my friends just trying you know because i think on average like humans laugh like 15 times a day or something like that right i feel like we should laugh more than that a day so yeah that should be the baseline right and should be working yeah, up yeah. from there you should be working out. We should be trying to hit 30, 40 laughs today. Wow, it's big. It's ambitious. I love you for that. It's, it's ambitious. ambitious. But we should try it, man. Just to, stay, <laughs> just to stay mentally healthy, man. We should try it. I'm with you. I'm totally with you. And we should all eat uh, plant-based burgers from Honest Burger. I'm into Get it. Get them. Plug. Um, Hams, thank you so much, man. That was totally brilliant. Um, oh, thanks thanks for being on the show and for being so open um, and just chatting it through us. Really amazing to have you on. No, thanks for having me. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. All right, man. Much love. You too, man. The brilliant Hamid there. What an amazing dude with such an interesting story to tell. My favourite thing about these episodes is hearing about all the different kinds of pathways into this industry. There is no one way, and that feels really inspiring. Thanks for listening, everyone. Go gently and go safely. The Old Vic would like to thank Principal Partner Royal Bank of Canada and the T.S. Elliott Estate for their support. Sherman Theatre would like to thank the Arts Council Wales and everybody who has supported us through this difficult time.